Welcome to episode seven of Keeping It a Hundo. This is part two of my conversation with Mickey Halstead. Hopefully you already heard part one, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Leave me some comments on the Apple Podcast app. Let me know who you think I should have on the podcast. I'm open to suggestions. I think when people see a name they don't recognize as a guest, they tend to tune out. Just try to keep in mind that person's on for a reason. So give it a chance. Is Mickey Halstead. Part two of my conversation with Mickey Halstead includes our discussion about why he would never work with R. Kelly again. We discuss race as a social construct, gun violence in Chicago, and the time Mickey gave J. Cole work on the basketball court. We also reveal the top five Mickeys of all time, and we have a hard time trying to decide who would win a steel cage match between Yeezy and Wheezy. We pick up our conversation where we left off last week. Mickey was on a bus with his cash money family, and he got into a fight with one of the top dogs. We mentioned a shock bus. There were two buses that cash money artists rode on. There was the artist bus, which was a nice bus, and there was the shock bus, which was full of gangbangers and ex-cons. If you were on the shit list that particular week, you had to ride the shock bus. Yeah, we were in Atlanta. The shock bus wasn't there at that time because we weren't like on tour. He was actually buying, he just bought a Swiss Beats house. So we were pulled up in front of that. And so I was one of the artists that was just on there. So basically, man, I fucked dude up, but he wasn't dead, thank God. And everybody run, get baby out the house. Baby like, man, that's a million fucking dollar bust. So they was about to take him to the hospital and all that, man. I actually just got off the bus. I called my cousin to come get me up the road, told him like kind of where I was. And I walked away from cash money that day. And I never came back. It's crazy. <laughs> this is before, this is, no, this is after you signed with, um, Virgin with JD? No, this is before that. This is before all that. Yeah, I was young as fuck. Okay. So you grew up in the 80s. Yeah. Growing up, who were your favorite rappers? KRS, Rakim. Those were my, like, two favorite favorites, hands down. Big Daddy Kane, too. Big Daddy Kane. He was special. 90s, it was, like, special ed first. Grand Pooba. That was like my favorite MC. Like, yeah. Nobody tell me shit about Grand Pooba. Like Ice Cube, America's Most Wanted, like Death Certificate, like Death Certificate, like was probably one of the most impactful albums that I ever heard. Um and then How about how was the native tongues out here? Did they did they, yeah, they reach they, Chicago they, like they that? Chicago heavy. Like yeah, we love the native tongues. I was a big fan of De La, a big fan of um fucking tribe of course and I wanted to marry Moni Love like for real like that was my fucking baby you know what I'm saying she's right in the middle yeah, and, uh, <laughs> so it's like then 93 came oh speaking of that do you know who I liked who uh, do you remember B Angie B yeah yeah I, I wanted to marry B Angie B B Angie B was dope though <laughs> man she was fly as shit yeah yeah so then 93 came bro in 93 when I heard Nas rap, I never heard no shit like that before in my life. Then I heard Big and then Jay and like 
them three right there like just really stuck out to me like and then Wu-Tang came at the same like time and and Raekwon was like my favorite like besides Nas who you think the best white rapper is besides Eminem I was a real I, I really liked MC Search bro okay I liked them I liked them they was dope to me the gas face the gas face they were they <laughs> was they were dope to me I liked a lot I like I liked um House of Pain more recent, I I really like Yellow Wolf. Yellow Wolf is dope. I think Yellow he's Wolf, he's my favorite other yeah, than Eminem. Yeah, Yellow Wolf is dope. Like of course M is like super special, but Yellow Wolf is dope. Um, years back we performed together at uh, a A three C. Oh like, yeah, that's my boy I, runs A three C for real. Yeah, yeah. So I go down there every year for it. That's crazy. So when's well, the last time you performed there? Man, I ain't did that. Maybe like seven years ago. Okay. So through your relationship with with Ye, you met No ID. That was my first manager. Okay. He called me like, man, No ID heard your shit. He want to manage you. I'm like, shit, hell yeah. And at this point, No ID is everybody knows him. Yeah, yeah, everybody knows him. Like he was that, he was the godfather of. He had already done a bunch of work with Common. Yeah, we did Common like. He had put his own album out called the Black Album before Jay even did that. Mm -hmm. Like he was, just, he's just a special dude, man. So what did you want to be when you were a kid, besides MJ? I want, I didn't want to be MJ. I wanted to be Isaiah. Well, really, I wanted because that's so you, you saw yourself more that type of. Well, I really wanted to be Magic. I, in my mind, I was gonna be six eight, six nine, point guard. Like, yeah. So those were the guys that I always loved, like Magic, Steve Smith, like. Those guys. You saw yourself as a point guard, so everything. Yeah. You're the I guys mean, who influence you. Was like, I couldn't. I wasn't athletic, so like I couldn't. He was just like, the god of the shit. Like you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like it's not even attainable. It's not attainable. like I can't be that guy. Like that's why Steph is so popular because you could see Steph and you could be like, all right, I could be that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. If I practice if enough. If I practice enough, like if I'm willing to work hard, but there's no amount of hard work that's gonna make you like Mike. Who were the best players, in your opinion, to come out of Chicago ever? Top five. Tim Hardaway was my favorite. Once I knew that I wasn't going to be 6'8", like he's the guard that was the standard bearer. It was him and it was this guy named Brian Leach. Legendary street ball dude like Tim and Noah. Like they had legendary battles. Like going to see – Leach played Tim in the pro-ams was like better than going to see Jordan play the Lakers. Like it was like that. What like, was was Leach like Tim size or was yes? He? But okay. then Waif like buck fifty five. Cause Tim is strong. Tim strong. Tim is strong as hell. Like Leach just had like <clears throat> man the floaters, the spins, like left, right jumper like his game was just so smooth and effortless you couldn't believe this little skinny dude was just dominating like the giants you know what i'm saying and like tim had 55 he had 50 that was like the legend of brian leach he recently passed his nba was like drug dealers would pay him to be on their team my cousins were i had little mike jigsaw like them was my big cousins like mike kind of hung with Tim like a couple summers like I was hearing about Tim Hardaway early on through my cousin Lil Mike 
when I got to really see him play, like I just always followed him from UTEP on. Like, so I got to play with Tim every weekend for a few years when he was living in Miami before he got the Pistons job. Right. And just being able to play with him, I mean, it wasn't in his prime, but he still had to be crazy. Right. Tim is strong as hell. I remember one time my boy Felipe, he tried to cross Tim over. <laughs> now Felipe is in good shape. He's you know right. he's in his twenties. Tim was 50-something, and Tim tackled him and threw him down and said, don't you ever use my move on me. Damn. <laughs> he said that was straight disrespectful. He 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 cussed Felipe out the gym. <laughs> Tim could be a, a motherfucker, yeah, I'll nah, tell you that. You no, know, he's a south side guy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so shit, he, that south side is a motherfucker, boy, trust me, you know. And he ain't no hoe. He come from the gutter, Yep. You know? Isaiah was one of my favorites. He played for the Pistons, so of course, um, I, I couldn't really root for him, but yeah, I rooted for him. You exactly. You know what I'm saying? And, um, so you said you went to high school out in the suburbs. Yeah. Like Isaiah went to St. Joseph's. Yeah, yeah. Where'd you I go? I went to Rich Central. Kendall Gill went there. Oh, yeah, you yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, Kendall Gill was one of my favorites as a kid. Kendall Gill was dope, right? He was so cool. He was super. <laughs> he was like, what D. Rose did, you can't take away from him. Youngest MVP ever to do it. People's bodies are different, so I'm not one of those people that discounts greatness because of injury. Him and his prime, Westbrook couldn't fuck with him, period. You know what I'm saying? Athleticism was peak. Yeah, peak. Unselfish, but a killer. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, yeah, I don't like people saying that you know D Rose is washed up or this and that it's because he doesn't trust his legs he has injuries yeah, it happens it happened like, to a lot of great players right it's like you can't you don't get extra credit because this guy twists his ankle this guy doesn't twist his ankle right like that's not something that you can control like period it it's doesn't not, make you a better basketball player it doesn't make you a better basketball player cuz you stay healthy you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying so like i've always like penny hardaway like to to see like him deal with that and and not be able to be who he was really supposed to be. You got Penny's be. peak. You got, like, T-Max peak. You got Man. Grant Hill's peak. But, like, these Man. guys played so long that Man. people don't remember sometimes yeah. how great they were. Yeah, for like, real. really great. Like, D-Rose is on that list. D-Rose is on that list. I mean, so, for Chi-Town, you got Tim Hardaway. You got Brian Leach. You got Derrick Rose. You got a backcourt right there. Yeah, I got You need some bigs. You got any bigs? Anthony Davis. Because I oh, feel yeah, like you can't even. I feel like he will be the best player in the league soon. Yeah, like, if he's not damn near really right now, he's like, on deck. Like, did you ever see Benji play? I didn't, man. I didn't. I was, I was not. I, you know, of course, being from Chicago, I've heard all the stories. Now I will tell you the most dominant player that I've seen in Chicago basketball, like period, high school, high or like, school, yeah, was this guy named Jamie Brandon. And he went to King High School, and, like, you couldn't tell me he wasn't the next coming, like, a pro. Like, he went to LSU, played with Shaq, and fizzled out, like, got injured. And I remember him now. Yeah, I like, knew that name sounded familiar. Yeah, he was with LSU. You can't go wrong with that list. I used to see Ronnie Fields playing in oh, AAU man, tournaments when I was in high school. Fucking incredible. You know, it was also a guy named Paul McPherson. Like, I remember Paul. I've seen him play. That, that's, like, we play together, like. You know, we used to have to go to the same Sunday set, so it's like that's a strong lefty right there. Like he's strong as hell. Like he he could have had a Dwayne Wade career, you know. And I can't really leave D Wade off that list. D Wade is a killer, man. 
D Wade is a killer. You gotta put him on the list. Somewhere. All right, Brian Leach got. Brian Leach he is might have a to street go. legend, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like when you when you kill in that association, you know that's a different level of shit, you know. And not to say that you couldn't, you know, because it's like it's a lot of pros that I've met up with, you know, in the summer times, and, and I know I'm better than them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I've showed them I'm better than them. But at the end of the day, though, when you do it in that association, bro, you deserve the shit that come with that. It's you know? it's all about opportunity. It is. It is. Uh, talk about your basketball career a little bit. Where did you play in school? You said you had a basketball scholarship. Yeah, I played at a school called St. Xavier University, um, NAIA. Yep. In hindsight, like, that's where, you know, I really miss my father, like, being there to kind of guide me. Like, I, I could have signed with DePaul. I could have signed with Loyola. I had offers from UIC, University of Illinois, Chicago. I had offers from Marquette. And I really wanted to go to Syracuse. Like, that was like my dream. So you were just so disappointed I, you didn't get that offer that you yeah, just kind of like, you know, when you get offered junior year, or early senior year, or that summer, like I had two schools that I wanted to go to, and that was um, Georgia Tech and Syracuse. And like, if all I the did, best point guards played at Georgia Tech back when we were growing yeah, up, yeah, you know, I wanted to like one uh, after Kenny another. Anderson was my favorite point guard, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And Sherman Douglas was my other favorite. The general. You know? So it's like I, I wanted to. Those, that's what I loved. I wanted to play in Bayheim's 2-3 and, and run the show. They flirted with recruiting me. They recruited me, but I held out for everybody. I pushed everybody else, like, holding out for them. And when they finally said they um, they gave my scholarship to Travis Best at Georgia Tech. He's um, from Massachusetts. Yeah, the, um, the coach called me and said, man, you know, we got the guy that was right ahead of you on our on our on our list, bro. You know, and he kept it real with me, and I was I was disappointed because I felt like you know I matched up against him in um, All Star Circuit in the summer, and I didn't feel like he could fuck with me. But he was a good guard, you know what I'm saying? And had himself a decent career. He had a good career, you know what I'm saying? But Syracuse. Went, went another direction. They took two light-skinned guards in the backcourt, too. They, they had did. Adrian Autry and, and Lawrence Moten. Yeah, and I felt like I was better. I liked Lawrence Moten a lot. He was. I loved his game. I loved Yeah, he, he's but long. Autry, I, I felt like I would have murdered him. So it's like they went another direction, and then I went back and tried to see if DePaul and, they, and everybody else, and everybody else was like, man, well, shit, at this point you could walk on and, you know, you'll get a scholarship or you can go to JUCO with why don't you let us just send you to our JUCO that's we affiliated with and then, you know, and I don't know, man. My father was like, man, go here. And I just did that. And so, but I had a good, I had a, I actually had a good career. Um, I had a Hall of Fame career there. Met some really good people. Um, they inducted me into the Hall of Fame. Um, what's that, in 2008, I think. And so... That's cool. That was cool. So I put any, up any Hall of Fame. Yeah, I put up fucking big numbers, achievement. You know, if you go to a school like that, shit, you, you, I did what I was supposed to do there. I dominated. You know, where so is that? It's in Chicago. Okay, I just had a chance to transfer out and go D one. Uh, I was gonna go play for Delaware State in the MEAC. Mm-hmm. Um, HBCU. Yeah, HBCU. But the group of friends that I had developed, like it really wasn't about that no more for me. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was like, man, like I didn't want to lose my brothers. That you, I, you were having you know, a good time. I was and having you a good fit time. In and I fit in. Like I was comfortable, and um, you know, I was having fun playing basketball, and I was getting a free education, and that 
that that stuck in my head when my father would just say, man, use basketball. Don't let it use you. Get a, get a free education, you know what I'm saying, out of this shit, you know. And so I did just that. And you played a little bit in the USBL? Yeah, I did. Atlanta Trojans, man. Damn, boy, you got real research, boy. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know how you knew that. But, yeah, I played I played a little bit. Um, but Kanye said I had to bring my ass home. Um, but it wasn't no real money, but it was good. It's like um, a couple good players came out of those leagues, like Rajah Dale, Daryl Armstrong. He's a, Roger's a friend of mine. For real, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he played in the USBL. So, like, um, Roger's a guy who just kept working and getting there because when yeah. he came out of high school, he wasn't. Really? Highly... He, he's from Boston? No, he actually, he's from Miami. Okay. I know him from Miami. Okay. He went to Boston University for a year, though. Wow. But uh, he wasn't highly touted at all, and he'll tell you that. Yeah. And it was just, he stuck with it and kept working and grinding. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say, oh, I, I was better than him. Yeah. They but, were, but they didn't yeah, work as hard as him. They didn't work as hard as him, mm-hmm. for real. So, and he had a hell of a career, man. Yeah. He had a relative. Great career. He, he has lock, a podcast, too. Lock up. He can shoot the fuck out the ball. He can handle that bitch. It's like he was not a liability in no way, shape, or form. And he had no problem putting his hands on you, either. Yeah, yeah. I love that about him. Yeah. You know, that was one of my calling cards was just defense. So, I love those kind of players. Like, So, yeah, no, I fuck with Roger Dale. You played with any any rappers or entertainers that you, you were like, all right, they got some game. Uh, I know R. Kelly game. plays with, like, Raja used to run a lot with R. Kelly. A lot of yeah. my friends would play with him down in Miami R. at Kelly, Miami High. R. Kelly weak to me, though. R. Kelly ain't. Yeah. He just, all he just, you I heard he just gets his boys on the team. Yeah. And, and they, they, he wants the rock he, all day. And they all they do is fucking set picks for him. And yep. he shoots this broke-ass jumper that really does go in, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he'll shoot that bitch a lot. But, yeah, but. Two chains can really fucking hoop. Yeah, I've seen him play. I I would say I was the best that I've seen, like rapper, entertainer, hooper. But two chains was damn near. He's like what six five? Yeah, six five. Yeah, six, so he six. got he could, he could fucking play. Yeah. Um, I matched up against J Cole. Gave him like. 11, 12 buckets in a row. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because they was talking shit. You know? <laughs> Cole, where you at? You got that film. They got that film somewhere because they was recording that. I know he, he made them burn that fucking place. Was it just a pickup game or was it um, a celebrity? No ID. Something. Crib. We, okay. He set a match up and he had the court and all of that shit. So, you know, I, everybody's talking shit, you know. And so, like, but no, I have fun out in LA. Like, no ID. Baron Davis is a good friend of mine. Like, yeah. He's probably one of the my he was one of my favorite all time players. Like I'm a Golden State fan and people feel like, Oh, you a Golden State fan because of Steph Curry. No, I'm a Golden State fan because of fucking Tim Hardaway. And Run T M C Run T M C and then Baron Davis after him. And that that one season that, yeah. that Golden State oh, had. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They were so entertaining. I feel like they were one big away from like shocking the world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But so speaking of R. Kelly, would you work with R. Kelly at this point, or would you let one of your artists work with R. Kelly? No. Because I grew up, R. Kelly was my favorite singer. Like, I loved listening to his music. I think he was great. But at this point, like, I can't even listen to him anymore. Yeah, he was, like, probably my favorite singer, too. I actually worked with R. Kelly um, on the Best of Both Worlds album that, baby and him was gonna do so I, I i performed on that project i helped 
write a lot of the raps on that project. It never came out, but I was with R. Kelly for an extended period of time. When all that shit came out, I'm not judgmental in a way because like we nobody's perfect, man. Like we all got have done our dirt. We all fall Absolutely. short, you know. Absolutely. Taking advantage of children or young women, um, especially that young, that's not some shit I really condone. I don't fuck with that shit at all. It seems like it's habitual too. It's not like yeah. he made one mistake it's or like something. He's sick, you know. Exactly. He really needs some help. You yep. know what I'm saying? But it's it's fucked up, man. You get caught with a gun there, you go to jail, you you do all type of other mandatories, wild shit, nasty pedophilia type shit, and ruin people's lives. You, you don't go no fucking where, you yep. know. But you get caught with a gun in a car, and you ain't kill nobody that did shit. You got to go to jail. So you know the system is fucked up, but. Hey man, you know, I he he's a he's an amazing singer, amazing entertainer, but I can't support that shit. I can't. Respect that. Are you still making music? You still rapping? I know you managing Herb. It's only twenty four hours in a day, so like I got so much shit to do. I haven't really been in it lately. I always said once Herb finished his his put out his solo debut, which he did in Humble Beast, mm-hmm. uh, then I was going to get to it. And so we still, like, on the tail end of rolling out Humble Beast right now. So, like, when that's done, like, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to get the people, like, that's my fans. I'm going to just put the music out into the world, you know. And I got so much shit that, like, you can't find right now. So it's like I, I feel like I'm going put to put out, like, four or five other old projects and then something new and let – Fans really know, people really know who Mickey Halstead is. And, like, that music lives forever. Um, music doesn't have an expiration date. So just put it out there. Let it do what it does. No pressure. But those that are interested in, in intelligent street music, then they will have something to listen to, you know? When's the last time you went on tour? Shit, when's the last time I went on tour? 2011. Okay. And that was, like, your last album? Yeah. That's the last little project. 2012 put out Castro yeah shit damn so what's what's the demographics look like at a Mickey Halstead show my show was like it was kind of it was crazy because it was like I felt like I had really intelligent informed fans so it was like a rainbow of people you know what I'm saying you're getting a different crowd than Herbo's getting yeah yeah I'm getting a different crowd a little older a little older a um, little more mixed? A little more mixed. Well, her, this is crazy. You know, this shit is mixed, too. It's like music is the really the great unifier. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. And it's like I go to these concerts, man, and I was telling my wife this the other day. It's like you see these young white people and black people, and they singing these songs, and they love these artists. It seems like this is just the cure for racism. Like, this moment, this emotion, like, right then is so pure. You know what's even more crazy is how it bridges languages. Like, yeah. you could go overseas, Shit and crazy. everybody knows every word everybody. to your song, and they don't even know how to say hello or thank yeah. you in English. It's fucking crazy. That's crazy to me when I yeah. see them rapping every word to yeah, every that song. That shit is crazy. That shit is crazy. What are your goals in music right now? Um... I know you're doing a couple projects with Herb. You got his album. I got Herb. You got, got City of Sorrow. Artist. Yeah, we got. We you got, got Red that. Snow. You got Red. Couple Snow. film projects. We're doing um, a short film on Malcolm. That's going. We're gonna do in conjunction with Mass Appeal. They're gonna help us roll it out. 
Um, we got a lot going on. I'm I'm signing other artists right now as well. Okay. Trying to build um, a a real independent label hub here in Chicago. I always find it interesting. I talked to our friend Courtney about this. Do you guys realize when I say you guys, I mean like any other rappers or you guys realize that like a guy like me growing up in the suburbs of Boston is riding around in his car listening to like your stuff man, that's like, or you just think it's hitting the hood you know what no, I mean it's, you know what's crazy man you make music for yourself in like your immediate circle right it's cause you wanna impress your homies like that, like you want the people that know you to like be like he's real that's something that and then everybody in the neighborhood gives then, you respect and then they give you respect like oh yeah he's not lying about what he's rapping about he's not perpetrating a fraud but when you go perform, and like I've performed all over, so it's like when you go perform and you see a face that doesn't look like yours, like connecting with it, like from different whole different backgrounds, it just gives you a sense of like it's empowering, it's it's exhilarating, it's like hitting that three pointer at the buzzer, like when you catch that eye contact with that person and they sing and they into it and they sweating like you sweating and it's like it's a beautiful thing and to me race is phony it's made up it's a social construct that somebody invented you know and you can actually go back and tie in when it was invented by who was invented Blumenbach and these other like scientists like came up with this whole thing you know what I'm saying and it's like it's really disappointing you know what I'm saying to me that like they can create a system right and then that system can spread and be accepted all over the world and we look at each other like along lines of like white and black you feel what i'm saying like that's so like juvenile you feel what i'm saying oh it's caucasoid it's negroid it's mongoloid these are social scientists that just put this shit together oh, we're going to draw this line because we're going to call this Africa, we're going to draw this, and this is that, and this is that. It's like, really, I believe in tribes, I believe in tribalism, meaning, like, I believe, like, you have communities of people, bloodlines, like, all right, you an Italian, that's an Italian bloodline. I respect that. You feel what I'm saying? Like, I respect somebody that's of Polish that because they have a, a family, a culture, a whole thing. Yeah, culture is a beautiful culture thing that should be preserved. Culture is a beautiful thing, but it's like Italians are white or have lighter skin. We're going to put Italians and Polish and English and all of these people over here, and we're going to say, y'all are white and y'all are this. And then we got, it's like you might have, a Kenyan might not f fuck with somebody that's from Mozambique, you know? That might be long, That's it could be long-standing shit, you right. know what I'm saying? It's like, it could be long, like it's long-standing shit between the Irish and, and the English. Like, it could be some long-standing shit. Like, I know, like, a lot of Africans and African-Americans, there's a lot of yeah. disparity between the two. There's a lot of differences in the culture. Because the, the sad thing about it, bro, the transatlantic slave trade is different. Because when they, that is the first slave trade in history where they made it illegal to say your name you keep your name and speak your language those are the tires and the identifiers 
to who you really are. They stripped you saying? of your culture. It's like now you gonna say you African. That was never good enough for me. Like once you get to a certain level of education and, and intelligence, you can't tell me why I'm sitting in school and I got an Italian homie and he got an Italian flag on his arm and I got an Irish homie and he got the t- Irish flag on his arm and I got a Polish homie. He got the Polish and he they. Sp- this he speaks this he speaks this they got cultures they got food they got this and then you're gonna tell me i'm african i'm black what the fuck is my culture like my culture is collard greens and pork and shit like like slave culture like i don't have no tire like you people don't realize like psychologically what that does to a group of people like we just speak english all our names are other yeah, cultures name names like, of Irish people right like English listen like people. you have a, a a name that identifies you and your lineage mm-hmm. it's a source of pride heritage right mm-hmm. and Africa got dozens and dozens of fucking countries like what that cannot that does not make me happy that does not feel a void it's no flag it's no fucking language I don't know what culture they don't get along with each fucking each other like a lot of people think Africa is a country Man, they do, <laughs> you know, bro. they fucking. And there's do. so many different countries that that are so different, so. Yeah, so it's like, we always, you know, when you get to a certain level, like of intelligence, like you always start. It's certain things that are holes in your heart. I don't care if it's like you didn't have a father, but like for us, it's like compound because like at the base, you don't have a culture, like for real. And it's like we have a Black American culture, like. You know, we well that that's almost one of the purest American cultures there is. I tell my friends all the time that, especially my black friends, I got here a lot more recent than you guys did. Saying my family, my family's immigrants. You guys almost aren't even immigrants at this point. Like you've been here longer than anybody. Crazy, right? And it's like so you know that that culture we developed a culture here, but still it's that hole that says like damn. My last name is Smith. Like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> that I was owned by them people. Like, of course. You know what I'm saying? I think it's crazy that black people keep the name still. Yeah, yeah it's like. It's crazy. People, people ask me, like, because it's like, in my family, like, it's a big thing. And, it, and it's hard because this is the thing. So I come to the family a couple months ago. I'm like, we changing our name. G. Just, I just can't, like, do that. Like, it just don't feel right. And I've been saying this for this year. We're going to go down to City Hall. And my mama gets to crying and, like. But that's your daddy's name. Oh, you could all be Halsteads. Like, yeah, we could all, <laughs> shit, we could all be whatever we Anything are, whatever we, whatever we want to be, you know. But at the end of the day, that's not it. But like, your family still feels like they've established that name. You've given too. it its own. You've name. given it its own name, so it's a, it's a tough thing, you know. what I'm saying mm-hmm. it's like I don't want to disrespect the memory of my father, but at the same time, it's like that's just a hole that we have to acknowledge so it's like you go on this path and say man really what are we like are we are we the lost tribes of israel so we touched on crack in the 80s would you say is it really any more dangerous now in chicago than it was in 1990 1992 i believe the murder rate in 92 93 was almost double what it is right now it's only more dangerous in that kids are doing killing Back then, it was like, all right, it wasn't 13-year-olds doing the killing. I was in a gang. So, like, you couldn't just go kill a motherfucker because 
they op on the next two blocks, like, because you wanted to. That would fuck up money. Motherfuckers really called real hits and got people to fuck up out of there that did heinous shit that was in you into real wars for real drug money and real turf. So it was really a deadlier thing back then. But it's not like these little kids running around with these big-ass guns because we had to answer to somebody. If we shot up the block that they selling drugs on and and they couldn't sell drugs for the next 10 days because police all the way all over there, then they was going to fuck you up. So it wasn't senseless. Oh, man, right now it's like social media. If they kill one of yours, then they smoking him. And so every time they on social media, they saying they smoking your dead, homie. And then we gonna, when I catch him, we going to kill him. I know who he is. He know who I am. So if I ever catch him in traffic and get the ups on him, I'm going to kill him. He's with the opposition. You know what I'm saying? Back then, it was like, nah, we GD, they BD, they Blackstone. Like, if we want that block, because that block, we heard that, they know that block. And it was like hierarchy, like real shit. So, like, the guys that's really calling the plays is saying, damn, that block doing shit. 80000 a day. We want that 80000 a day. You know what I'm saying? So the the big difference is senseless. It's senseless. And at least back then there was like a business yeah. model attached and to it a know, little bit. You know, bro, what they would do if you killed the little girl, like straight bullet, you shooting senseless because you, you 14, 15 you with this big ass You have to answer to somebody gun. for that. Man, they gonna, they might kill your mama. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? It was, it's, it was different. You know what I'm saying? Like it was much more heinous. Like they did real killings. Like, it wasn't like right now these kids they crazy but they not gonna kill their no mamas like in my day it, they took the shit further like if they wanted you they'll kill everybody in your household so yeah i know that it had to be more murders then i didn't even know the statistics but like just from what you're saying like yeah i know it had to be more murders then because it was a deeper kind of play it's like man you might find 12 people in the back of uh, abandoned school or certain motherfuckers just you don't never hear from again you know what i'm saying it kind of resembles the whole murder rate in the u.s because it, it was yeah. crack crack yeah. is what oh, gee, caused crack. the rate to go up yeah. i mean boston chicago <laughs> la guess what man? it all peaked around it's 90 economics bro yeah it was a whole new way to make money and mm -hmm. i mean money like garbage bags full of money every fucking day like it was drug dealers that were notorious that were making millions of dollars like a day bro these buildings were doing numbers these project buildings was doing massive numbers with massive operations bro and they was making like crazy they riding around the city in bentley's and all type of shit now it's just a whole it ain't really no money like these kids ain't really getting no money like if you selling something you most times, you still got people still selling crack, but that's like a petty enterprise. They make more money damn near off selling weed now than you. And than that. the Mexicans are making all the money off oh, of oh, yeah. heroin and everything. Oh, yeah, they making the money. Heroin is still an enterprise here. Yeah. Like here, Detroit. The, the opioid like, ec yeah, epidemic is fucking crazy, man. That's what's driving everything now. Yeah. So you got a master's degree in education while you were assigned to, to cash money. <laughs> Well, yeah, well. Now, hold on, hold on. Why do I get the feeling juvenile 
wasn't doing this while he was making 400 degrees. I just, I don't know this. I haven't researched it, but I'm going to put money on it that no, Juvenile right. didn't do this. Hey, you're right. You're what right. gave you the audacity to pursue an advanced degree while you were rapping for cash money? Well, a little bit because it was easy. Because I, when I was playing basketball, I tore my ankle up real bad. I missed a year. When I came back, I um, broke my wrist. So I lost a year, and I had a fifth year to play. And so I did, like, ah, okay. the bulk of the work while you were while I was physically still there. But that's smart. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did the work. And like, so. so I feel like we have a lot in common. I hoop. I write. I don't know if Courtney yeah. told you. No, I ain't telling uh, you. Yeah, we've, we've worked on some projects together. I, I, uh, I got a degree in film from University of Miami. Oh, dope. And uh, screenwriting was my thing, and I still dabble in it. That's dope. Um, I'm also a foodie. Really? Yeah, so a couple well, years man. ago, Chicago's like pretty new to me. I grew up in Boston, been living in Miami for a long time. My girlfriend lives in Chicago, so a couple years ago, she relocated to the south side. And yeah. it was like my first time really spending time down there. Wow. So my first day visiting her at her new place in High Park, I get there, she's not home, and we're both starving because I just got off a flight and right. she's coming from practice. Right. We need to eat. So I'm like, anywhere around here I can go eat. She's like, uh, I don't really know the neighborhood like that yet. So I start asking people around the neighborhood, like, I need to go eat something. I got luggage, I got right. backpack, suitcase. Yeah, hey, go check out uh, Mickey's Retro Grill. Really? So first meal I ever had on the South Side, I went to Mickey's. My man, my man. Picked up a couple sandwiches for my me and man. my girl. Oh man, that's love, bro. And I didn't even know that's that that crazy. was your spot. That's crazy, man. So are you a foodie? I'm a foodie, man. I am. I am. I am. I love. I love food, man. So love exploring new restaurants new taste kind of expanding my palate like i'm a foodie so you own a couple spots well yeah. mickey's clo uh, retro closed well no the lighthouse 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 closed but it's back open we just moved it and so we got mickey's and lighthouse okay that's what it is my bad on the same on the same block high park boulevard one yep. on 53rd one on 55th so and we start me and my girl started going to the lighthouse uh, instead of Mickey's. Man, that's you in shape, I could tell. <laughs> that's right. I like that stuff better. I don't, I don't eat junk food. No doubt. Yeah. Um, what are some of your favorite restaurants in Chicago? Because they have some of the best food in the country out here. Oh, man. My only our only competition as far as a burger, man, you got to try it, and it's right down the street, is Oshawal. I've been there yeah. a couple times. I like them. Quality. I like I like that. That's I, good stuff. I like them. Um, what about, like, on the fine dining end? or the Fine dining I'm a fan of RPM. Yep. I'm a fan of RPM. Yep. RPM. Italian or the regular? The the regular. I like steak. I okay. like the steak. Like I, I I still enjoy like one of my my favorite things like was the jerk chicken here, the Caribbean food in Chicago. Yeah. And so like I really enjoy that. Like I feel like we got from traveling around. I feel like we got the best. Caribbean food. I was surprised because growing up in Boston, we have a lot of Jamaicans, and then people probably don't realize that, but there's a lot of West Indian people in Boston. Mm -hmm. And in Miami, we got a lot, plenty of influence yeah. down yeah. there. So, like, I've eaten jerk chicken in both yeah. places, and I was surprised when I came out here and saw they had them. And I was a little hesitant. You got to go to Jerk Villa, Jamaican Jerk Palace, or Uncle Joe's, but not the one in Hyde Park. 
Okay. So where are these at? Further down south? Yeah, further south. You got you to gotta go on. You gotta I'm all go right. The, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, you got to go to the hood and get it get right. All right. Yeah. All right, so now we're, we're, we're to the keeping it a hundo portion of the show. This is this is more of a quick, I'm going to ask you something. Okay. You got to keep it 100. You ready to keep right, it 100? I'm ready, bro. And I'm keep it 100. Jays or Yeezys? Jays. Nike or Adidas? I'm wearing Jays today. He got on Adidas. Even though I said Jays, I'm an Adidas head more than um They've Nike. stepped their game up the Nike last couple of years, love, for sure. Are you more of a Michael or a Scotty? Michael. Kanye the rapper or Kanye the producer? The producer. You gotta pick one, so. Yeah. All right. He's dope at both, though. True or false, you can't tell him nothing? You can't, true. <laughs> That's true. I knew it was true. <laughs> I never true. met him, but I believe it. <laughs> Kata one or Kata two? Shit. Carter 2. I got the 2. Carter 2. Who you got in a steel cage match? Kanye versus Wheezy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, just a picture. That's hilarious. I don't know, man. Shit, I don't know. I can't pick that one. I can't pick that one. I can't pick it. I pass on that one, bro. I can't pick that one. That shit is hilarious to thinking about. Your answer's good enough. Uh, Uncle Remus or Harold's? Harold's. If you could write a song and have any artist perform it, who you going with? Hmm. Shit, that's a dope question. It wouldn't be a rap. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be, um, Lauren Hill. Great answer. Can you think of an artist you listen to in the car by yourself? That maybe you wouldn't listen to if one of your boys in the car, and maybe you wouldn't admit it, but you got to change it before they get in the car type thing. You got any music like that that you listen to? Uh, uh, Sizzle. That's my shit. <laughs> nah, everybody likes Sizzle, I think, though. That's a good one, though, because it's, it's soft. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. her. True or false, you voted for Trump? False. I must have got some bad info from Noise. Man. Nah, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. But I did predict that he was gonna win. Yeah. When they, when the Democrats chose um, Hillary over Bernie. Yep. I was a huge Bernie supporter. All right, this one's tough. Top five Mickey's of all time. Top five M Mickey's. Yep. Like songs. Nope. What? People named Mickey. Oh damn. There's an there's a definite five too. It is a five. All right, Mickey Mantle. You got one. Did I say people? They don't have to be people. Oh, okay, well, damn, Mickey Mouse. You got two. Um, it gets harder as we go it forward. It's harder. Hold on, man. Uh, Mickey Blue Eyes. <laughs> Didn't make the list. <laughs> oh, shit. Mickey, is it Mickey Aronson? Mickey, what's he owns name? the Heat. Yeah, Mickey. Uh, he didn't make the list. He didn't make the list. No. Damn. I'm a Celtics fan. Well, yeah. It, it and this is my list. It's your list. <laughs> I give up, man. Who else? All right. We got Mickey's Wide Mouth. Dang. Pause. <laughs> we got Mickey Goldmill. 
who is Rocky's trainer. Damn, that is. You know Rocky. Mick. 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 Yep. Yeah, that's that. That's you can't Mick. find five better than these. And the last one, Mickey Donovan. You watch Ray Donovan? Yes. Damn, Mickey Donovan. Ray that's Donovan the coolest old the man ever. Yeah, he's key to truth, bro. Yeah, he said that. he knows two things. <laughs> Robbing people and black chicks. <laughs> that's crazy. Mickey Donovan. Mickey Ray Donovan, Donovan is the shit. Bro. Yeah. Me and Courtney, we always talk about Ray Donovan. I figured you watched it. Yeah. Um, that's a good five though, right? That's an awesome five. They man. could mess with any any other name. That, yeah, five, is like that five is going powerful. to war. Yeah, like for real. Uh, last question. I ask everybody this: Death Row meal. What are you eating? Jerk chicken, rice and peas, cabbage and plantains. And what are you having to drink with it? Ginger beer. I knew it. <laughs> you might as well be Jamaican. I know. That's a straight Jamaican that's my, meal. That's my shit, man. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you stopping by. No doubt, man. I appreciate you, man. That'll do it for episode seven of Keeping It a Hundo, part two of my conversation with Mickey Halstead. Check out Mickey's stuff on uh, YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify. You can find it on there. He's also managing now. Uh, he manages an artist named G Herbo or Lil Herb. Check out Herb's new album, Humble Beast. Also, feel free to let me know if you like the new format. This time I broke it down into two episodes instead of releasing it all at once as one long conversation. Trying to give the listeners what they want. I appreciate you listening. And thank you to everybody who's been sharing Keeping It a Hundo. Shout outs to Chanel Remy, Meaty B's favorite cousin, Mike Shuko and Mike Alden, Courtney Drive's finest, and of course the pride of Bridgeport, Connecticut, Jess Dog. He still leads the league in shares. My next guest on Keeping It a Hundo is my brother from another mother, Black Noise. Thanks for listening. Keep it a hundo.